Skip the daunting spreadsheet and the pile of time off requests scribbled onto the back of coasters. Instead, schedule and manage your taproom employees with confidence by using Bar Site Restaurant Systems, an all-in-one platform for employee scheduling, training, digital logbooks, and expense reporting. Barsite is also proud to introduce their brand new inventory management software. Register for a free trial at barsite.ca. That's B-A-R-S-I-G-H-T dot C-A and get started instantly. It's just us. It's just you and I, Tom. <laughs> Why did we have to ask permission to talk before the beginning, right? You could have just done it. Well, I think we're just doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> it feels good to hear you laughing, though. Yeah. Oh, I'm in such a better place than I was yesterday. And even that stress from yesterday was still just, it just needed to be processed through. It wasn't anything that was like super weighing. It was just like up and down excitement and hurry up and do this. And it, all of it was so exciting. But it, during the moment, it's sometimes hard to separate the excitement from the stress and which one's which. Yeah, I just, I refer to those as like just big feelings. Yeah, well, it's all of them and you get them all in this and then something else kind of smacks you from the side and you're like, oh man, I got to do that too. Okay, cool. Got it. And then it gets done and there's a reward at the end and it's fantastic. But during it's like, it's, it's really hard to separate. Like, am I excited right now or am I stressed out? But yeah, feeling good today. Yeah, that's why it's so great to have friends and people in our life like I have with you and hopefully vice versa where we can talk it out. Cause I can't do it alone. I can't parse through my feelings alone sometimes. Oh my God, I try. And then I realized that I've, I've been doing all the things that I've been telling other people not to do like, Hey, giving that advice. You know what yeah. I mean? And I just, I realized this morning that I just haven't been following my own advice or the advice that I would give to my teenage kids. I haven't been doing it myself. And, and so then I, I took that minute yesterday, those 15 minutes, uh, I didn't go outside and made a list of the things that I wanted to do for myself and that I needed to do to kind of get my head back in the right space. So we could do this today. Yeah. Good, good segue. Hi everybody. Uh, Tom and I are, are human beings working in this industry who are dealing with lots of shit and trials and tribulations just like everyone else and we need each other and we're happy to be with you today to to just like just talk about it be real yeah and this is beer and balance strategies for social mental and physical well-being in the craft beer industry but i really think that this spans more than just uh the craft beer industry this is the service industry as a whole or uh, just being in that world of service and what that looks like and all the things that have to happen beforehand for the finished product to actually be consumed by someone and in that consumption creates a whole bunch of possible issues and stresses and processes that need to be in place. So, you know, I think it's great to sit down and, and just acknowledge that we do so much so often and we don't really step back and take those moments to either celebrate yourself or celebrate the business or, or the accomplishment itself, you know? Yeah. And I don't know about you. The other point that I think is like, really important is like this industry is fun it's exciting right it's like you know you want to be all in so taking a step back to slow down and like decompress and have like self-reflection 
or reflect with your friends and your colleagues. That often doesn't happen, again, not for bad intentions, just because it's so great to be in the excitement, it's easy to get lost. We should probably introduce ourselves like a, like appropriately say it like it'd be like it may. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tom Alaska. <laughs> Who are you, Tom, and how the hell are you doing today? Oh man, I I, I am. My name is Tom Halaska. I'm with Ritual Zero Proof Spirits. I am their national sales director. I have been in the bar business, beer business, liquid business for 23 plus years in one way, shape, or form, from a dishwasher to a bar owner to a supplier, sales rep, and marketing manager. It's been a lot of this and that in the industry. Um, recently stepped into the non-alcoholic world uh, about five years ago uh, on the beer side, started on the beer side, just recently moved over to the spirit side. And I just have a real passion for what we all do and how we do it and the nerdy stuff. I just sat through an Excel spreadsheet course that I was super interested in because it helped me learn more about our formulation and how things work and, and all of the things that have to come together. Like I said at the beginning of this, to just create this world where people get to enjoy things and the simplicity of that. And sometimes we overcomplicate that. So anyway, uh, that's just a quick rundown of, of me. What about you? Yeah, I'm Dana Kluzny. Um, I also care about um, how we all come together and do our work, um, how we come together to support one another. I am uh, the co-founder of Enswell Beer. I am also a facilitator and coach. I have my own business where I support leaders and teams who are doing mostly collaborative projects for their communities. And I facilitate this process of how they can make it happen and do it with ease and without the burnout and the chaos and the overwhelm of, of trying to bring in everybody's different perspectives um, and where everybody's at in terms of how they communicate with one another to actually see it through so they can keep going. So um, this conversation means a lot to me on a personal level as well, because I, I am a recovering workaholic. Um, I dealt with a lot of identity-based mental health and endured pain for a very long time. And I worked that out by overworking to fill the void. And uh, this for me is an opportunity to pay it forward and to speak honestly about, I think what's often hidden and not talked about in terms of um, how to love working in this industry without losing yourself. Yeah, for sure. Like that, that it becoming your identity. How far is the drive from your house to my house? I think it'd be fun to know. How long did it take for you to get here? Oh, when we, when we did this, oh yeah, this is our first time doing this virtually. We did this yeah. in person and my partner and I drove from Collingwood, Ontario, Canada mm -hmm. to St. Louis, Missouri. And it took us, I mean, we, we took our time. We did a small batch brewery road trip, but it, I mean, the, I think the drive is about 15, 16 hours. And it's so funny that the distance between us is so far. Like we're doing some long ways away from your house to my house, but we're experiencing almost the exact same things inside of our industry. We're seeing the exact same things are happening in your neighborhood in Canada and in, in my neighborhood in the Midwest. There are these just struggles, you know, and, and pandemic didn't help any of that, of course. But I think it really shed a light on all of that from uh, work ethic to customer responses to how to handle just about everything from supply chain to it became way more complicated uh, as far as processes are concerned. 
Uh, and I think that that goes right back to maybe making it a little bit simpler and taking a step back and get, I got upset today because my uh, work card, I couldn't book a flight because I needed a code. And I was just so frustrated at that. I'm like, look at how this small little thing, this small thing has made me so frustrated when yeah. there's all these other really big things that really I, I handle every day and do every day and they don't bother me, but they, they're actually like, should be a big stress, bigger stressor than they are. Yeah. And the small things add up. And uh, just for anybody who's here live with us, thank you for being here with us. As you can tell, Tom and I, um, this is very much a peer-to-peer -peer conversation. Um, we're not mental health professionals, um, but we do have collectively over 40 years experience in the industry and a lot of our own challenges that we have had the privilege and the opportunity to have support from others, great resources, been able to really unlearn and learn. And we're here to pay it forward and to talk about things that aren't often talked about in this industry and kind of role model the conversations that we'd love to see happening between leaders and colleagues and friends and um, beyond this. So this conversation is really meant to inspire reflection. It's self-awareness not Tom and I telling you what to do. It's got to start with self-awareness because we believe that there's inherent wisdom within you and your team members. And it's just slowing down and stopping to have the conversation and reflect to then come to the, the actions or the solutions that you want to take that'll, that will actually like really resonate and work with your team. So if you have things you want to contribute to this conversation, please um, type them in the chat. And this is also going to be on Spotify. And we hope a lot of people share and pass this conversation on afterwards. So if you're listening to the recording, maybe you're brewing right now, or maybe you're going for a walk, whatever it is, thank you for being here with us. I'm pretty sure that my mom is is going to be on the live feed. So we have we know we have one person in the room, uh, Mary Halaska. So the shout out. Hi, to Mary. Mary. <laughs> Hi, Mary. Uh, Love Mary. Yeah. And that's so, so our, com, our experience combined is, is also in different sections of the industry. And I think one thing that brought us together, we're finding out how many similarities we had, you know, me, my background is I, being in the industry. I, I drank for 20 years. It became my identity. It became who I was. And, and when I decided to stop drinking, I also kind of lost, well, oh my God, my identity, what am I going to do? Like, how do I, how do I find my place inside of this industry? Do I have a place inside of this industry? Can I survive here knowing that I can't consume alcohol anymore, but yet you have to use it every day as a tool and service? You know, and I found out the answer to that is yes. And it's, it's actually really great. And, and my community here in St. Louis kind of wrapped themselves around me, uh, you know, being in the same city in the same industry for, for two decades. You know, I thought that my bartender friends and industry friends were kind of kind of shun me away. And that, in fact, didn't happen. It was... Uh, being being vulnerable to my friends and the, my coworkers and letting them know, hey, I have this issue, but this is just one issue that I have. I have a whole bunch of other issues too that you probably don't know about, but this one issue I need some help with. And and overall, the response was great. And, and I think that 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 alcoholic part of me uh, kind of just got to disappear, and I got to re kind of rebuild myself inside the industry. Yeah, because your choice to drink alcohol is a you know, that doesn't define who you are and where you're going in this life. And I think sometimes we're afraid 
I know I've been afraid to be really vulnerable and honest with people who want to support me because I'm afraid that they'll think differently of me. They'll see that my decisions and where I'm at intertwined with who I am as a person, which then brings up all these feelings of shame. Like I am bad in my case. Um, I, it was like the choice to not be still like work all the time to fill this like huge, huge void of, um, of just injured pain. A, a lot of, um, things from postpartum anxiety and depression after having my children and what happened when I chose to want to have a family in this industry as like a senior leader at a, at a prominent brewery and how I was treated in making that decision. And then feeling like, fuck my identity. What is my identity now? If I don't have validation, external validation from other people praising me for all the great work I'm doing. And if me stepping back and being more still and focusing on having children is, is punished what does that say about how I move forward? And I was really afraid to talk to people about how scared and overwhelmed and, and really worried I was about how do I exist in this industry anymore? I used to have, uh, I, I managed bars. I, I would have an open door policy and I would tout that I had an open door policy. And in retrospect and talking to former employees, me saying, hey, come to me anytime and talk to me about whatever you want to talk about wasn't enough. And it wasn't enough engagement with them to get them to feel comfortable to actually walk through that door. So now as I'm able to build this this new team and help build this new team of ritual, I'm, I'm able to lay a, a better foundation of what that looks like, how that works. If an employee needs to come to me or a coworker needs to come to me, like, how do I reassure them that one, I, I didn't just say it once and that's it, but I'm, I'm always kind of reinforcing it and letting people know, like, how do I do that? And how do I get that actual engagement is a big deal to me right now, because I thought I was doing it right 10 years ago and come to find out like people are like, no, dude, you're, you're like unapproachable at times. Like you, you, you come off very unapproachable and I'm like, oh no, I'm big teddy bear. Anybody can talk to me because that's how I see it. That's, that's the version of myself that I see. But I know that everybody that I come in contact with has a different version of Tom. Well, uh, and if you're asking people, especially as a leader, if you're asking people to be vulnerable with you, I have an open door policy. Come talk to me. Be like, I'm here for you. But you don't role model that vulnerability and strength back to them as in like, hey, I'm I'm having a hard day today. I'm really struggling. I'm feeling really overwhelmed. Um, I'm I'm low this time of the year is hard for me, you know, if, if, or even asking them for some sort of support, even just to listen that to me, like that was a big, that was a big eye opener for me as a, as a leader is like, I realized like, you know, I had this like mama bear role, you know, of, of doing the same thing. Like I'm here for you. I'm here to support you, but I never gave anybody the opportunity to even show how they could support me. And, and that created a ripple effect that I wasn't aware about in terms of that unapproachable, you know, that feeling that people might have or, oh, you're so confident. I can't come to you with my insecurities. You're, you're too, com you're, you're overly confident. You wouldn't understand. 
you know, I think that this this would be the point uh, of uh, a class to where the teacher would be like, this is something that you might want to remember for later. I, I think <laughs> that, like, this is like, I, I love how we just kind of got there, right? Like that understanding that you have to live in action and show that your employees, like letting them know that you're having a shitty day, letting them know that like life is tough for me and I know it's tough for you. So like, let's get through this together kind of mentality. Cause I know that that's what a lot of people want to have. And I think we had somebody come up to us after our in-person talk at the uh, craft beer professionals uh, conference here in St. Louis that said exactly that, like, Oh my God, I, 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 I've always thought that I had this like open door policy that we can all talk about our problems, but I'm realizing that I never talk about the issues that I'm having and right? I, I'm, not, I'm not relaying to them. So I think that's something important to, to reflect on as a, a brewery owner, a bar manager, anybody in the industry, like you count too, and your, your feelings are important as well. And addressing those first is the a way to a path to success, you know? And I just want to acknowledge the other flip side is that, there are certain people who will not meet you where you're at. And that can be really difficult when you do open up, especially if you're in a leadership position and you do open up to somebody and they don't have the compassion and empathy to meet you where you're at. And it can be really jarring. It can make you feel insecure. Um, so I just want to acknowledge anybody who has taken that very brave step to open up and, and, and it's not felt good. And just to know it is a practice and to keep going and to find other people, maybe, maybe that one colleague who you, who you'd love to open up to isn't the person, but maybe there's somebody outside of your office or outside of the brewery, a friend that you could open up to a coach. Um, if you, you know, a therapist, like it, it's very, it's a very real experience that the, what we want to give to others, we don't always receive ourselves. And, and that can be scary. I, I once opened up to somebody in my on my team about how I was feeling. And they told me that, um, that I needed to check my shit at the door. Right? When you yeah. come to work, you got to leave that shit at the door and just come in and just focus on work. And that really had a massive effect on me. And I believed it until I couldn't believe it anymore because I was really suffering. I've had, I've had employees come in, uh, coming into work, getting into a car accident on the way to work, getting to work for a Friday night shift at four 30, shaking off the tears, shaking off the pain, shaking off everything to go to work to then walk up to a table and smile and say, hi, have you been here before? My name's, you know, like yeah. it's, it's crazy. And another thing on top of that too, was that, uh, vulnerability isn't currency. So I think then this goes to what you were saying, like just because you are, are vulnerable with a coworker or an employee is not the, uh, the uh, ability to say, well, I did it. You need to be doing it too. A lot of this stuff is just none of our damn business. That's right. I mean? right. Like, it, it, like if you're seeing that a person is down, like acknowledging that and empathizing with that, but not needing to know why, like, oh, there's something personal happening in your life. I need you to now bleed that into your professional life, like give me that information so I know what's wrong. Sometimes you can just tell someone's having a shitty fucking day and that's enough to know. And you can put yeah. things into place and now it's time, ah, we're gonna order some pizza, have a good day. Like yeah, do something to cheer you up. expectations. Yeah. It, one, of my, one of my favorite um, definitions of 
compassion and empathy, which comes from Brene Brown, is that it is a practice um, and that empathy is not um, empathy is not this idea that like, I'm going to walk in your shoes. Like, no, that doesn't exist. Your job as an empathetic person is to listen and believe the person, even if their life experiences or how they're coping with their life experiences differs from your own. You believe that there's shared human struggle. And even if you don't know because you haven't experienced it, you can listen and believe them because sometimes all somebody wants is just to be witnessed. They don't need an action plan. They don't need you to fix them. They just want to be witnessed and just be in all their humanity and be believed. And that's the, that my 19 year old actually yesterday uh, got home from school. Uh, and that's exactly the conversation that he instigated of, of understanding empathy. And, and, and he explained it. I'm like, man, simple. Yes. You as a straight white male in the Midwest don't have to understand a damn thing about anyone's problems. You just have to believe that those are real and they exist. Yes. And that's it. You're that's having it. an effect on that person. And, and then, then more. Teach yeah, yourself, and, educate yourself. Don't ask for education from them. Go learn about the situation on your own and educate yourself so you can just learn some more about it. But being empathetic is easy as just saying, oh, cool, that's, I don't understand anything about that, but that sounds terrible. I, that, I feel for you. You know what or I mean? The question, or the question, or like ask, ask great, great questions, but great questions, um, not centering your own needs, centering theirs. So do you, what, what do you need for support? Is there a way that I can support you better right now? Because people who are struggling, whether it's physical with chronic pain, um, mental health, um, social anxiety, whatever it is, they might not always know what they need, but being given space to reflect on that and know that they can reflect and get back to you and know that you're even just there is sometimes enough. And then, and then oftentimes if that person, this is something that's recurring, they have coping mechanisms. So like, I, I'll give an example. Like I know when I'm having really intense anxiety, um, I need to, um, go outside. I need fresh air. I need to be in some form of nature and I need to move my body. Um, and even if I have 10 minutes just to go and do that, to like go for a walk or put my headphones on and put a song on and just move and shake and just release that energy, that's sometimes, that's sometimes enough in that moment. So I just, yeah, I think like give people credit that, that they, they might not know, but sometimes they do know, and they just need the space to to apply it. They just need the space to figure it out. Well, that's what yesterday when we were, were prepping for this and you're like, all right, we're 15 minutes early, go outside and take a moment. Sometimes it's, it's polarizing for me to where I can't, I can't bring myself to go do it. There's something that blocks me from go, going and doing that thing that will make me feel better. But having someone in that moment acknowledge that, Hey, you might want to go take a moment to yourself to clear your head, to take a minute. If nothing, those 15 minutes 
aren't going to change the direction of anything except for putting you into a better mood to get the stuff done that you want to get done. You know, and, and how does all this relate to to being a brewery owner or a brewery manager is is really just that simplicity of self-care and awareness so that I, I bring it up all the time since we've had the the conference in St. Louis, the the gentleman who does the smiley face, frowny face uh, program at his restaurant. So there's a chef in New York whose name escapes me. He has a post-it note, two stacks of post-it notes. Uh, at the clocking computer, one has a smiley face, one has a frowny face. And every day when the employees clock in, they pick a smiley face or a frowny face and they throw it into a box that's silly decorated that's next to the uh, clocking computer. And every day the management team is able to do a mental health check of their team anonymously and with simplicity to just know where the team is at before they're walking into the shift. The lady I talked about who got into the car accident, that is a frowny face, Yeah. right? having a, a team member who just got accepted into a new program because they're studying to, they're going to school and they just learned something wow that's a big smiley face but having all those things together and just knowing every day like an, an anonymous check-in is such a great thing that didn't cost him anything that probably cost him 12 dollars a year and whatever the decorating costs were for the glitter that he got from michael's you know what i mean like that that is engagement that can be done at almost no cost you know talking about those big things that need to be done for your team's mental health like health insurance and raising the the wages of your employees like that's really big stuff and really big conversations but little stuff like a smiley face frowny face decorated box next to your clocking computer to just check and see every day how your team's feeling you're going to see that productivity go up because they're seeing that you see them every day. They are being seen. I'm in a crappy mood, frowny face. You know what I mean? But I don't have to come out and say it, but you're giving me the space to express yeah. myself in the moment to take that moment before I start this acting job that I have. And a lot of it is performative as far as the, the tap rooms are considered, you know, before I step into this character, like how am I doing in this moment? It's such a big deal. I think it's so awesome. Yeah. And, and I think what's in, in the other part, about that is that leader knows that that works for their team as a check-in the mm -hmm. the anonymity the the you know the ease of just like pick a post-it note and put it in but i'm also sure that that leader is also actively communicating with their team so when that that feels stale when that's no longer working they're not going to go, well, this is what we do to check in. So like if it's it, do what works for your team, there was um, another woman from our um, in-person session and she said, you know, you gave that example. And she goes, well, I have a really small team. So like if we do that, it's not really anonymous because we're going to be able to kind of clearly see when we, you know what I'm saying? So one of the things was just like, okay, well, do you do like a team check-in before a shift starts? Yes. Okay, great. What if you just start everyone with like a different question? So one question that I love that's not always as loaded as like, how is everyone doing today? How are you feeling? Which can be kind of like, you know, you get the answers like fine. Okay. We all know that that's not what people are actually <laughs> feeling um, is to ask a question like, how are you sleeping? How's everyone sleeping? Because sometimes like that alone in people's reflection and what they choose to tell you will give you a little bit of an indication of where they're at. 
Um, so coming up with like interesting kind of check-in questions like that, that just aren't as broad and as loaded as how are you feeling? Well, hydration is a really fun one too, right? You can always kind of tell, like, have you been drinking water? Are you hydrated? No, I'm not. Uh, I haven't been drinking water. You're like, ah, like that's, we, let's get, first of all, let's get you some water, but also like, all right, there's probably a reason why maybe they're not, just not focusing on themselves. Like there's a really, uh, hydration has always been such an indicator for me. I yeah. use it with the kids all the time. Yeah. Or um, I'm seeing in, in the chat, I'm looking at the chat. Um, somebody mentioned that that something blocking me from doing self care piece is so real. <laughs> and I do think that there is a lot of, um, there is a block. Um, and, and sometimes the awareness of that block is like all you need. The other day, I have a tendency um, to get into the flow of like, work, 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 I'm feeling so good, woo, accomplishing, accomplishing shit. And I can't get out of the loop. And so when then I think about, okay, taking a step back and like having self care, um, it's really hard to shift. And I literally feel like there's this energy inside of me that's like a barrier that's like, no, don't stop. You can't stop. Or like, I'll have the time to stop and I'll feel like I can't. There's this like guilt piece that comes up because I, what I want to do is just like sit on the couch and just sit there for like 10 minutes or like pull up my book and like read for 20 minutes. And it has nothing to do with work. I just want to read my sci-fi novel and I'll within me feel this need like I can't do that keep keep going you can't do that and it's just nice when you have somebody else in this case my partner who's like just sit down just sit down and so sometimes it's great like if you're talking even if you have a question about like anybody have some new self-care practices or like that they're learning that they, like that's really working for them Sometimes it's just, or, or somebody says, like, is anybody else like feeling really like a block or a barrier to just like focusing on themselves or taking a break? Like even just asking that and just having a conversation around that, it, it normalizes it, right? Like it normalizes these things. We don't feel like we have to pretend anymore. And that's, and that's, I think also where the kind of the fun of it is too, is really like everyone know that we're all kind of on the same playing field we all are kind of having the same issues day to day and the same lack of that self-care for me i realized recently and this is a weird thing if if i have a, a bag of onions that i'm chopping and i have to chop 12 onions as i get closer and i think this is the opposite of you as i get closer it gets harder for me to finish the project by the time I get to the last onion, I'm like, oh, I just don't, I just want to leave. Can I just leave this last? Does it really need to be done? Like, what is that? And I think that that's where that blocker comes in for me for that self-care is exactly what that is. I'm like, I know if I finish chopping that onion, I'm going to be like, damn, those onions look great. If I take the minute to go step outside and walk the dog around the street for a minute and clear my head, I know that I'm going to feel better, but there's something in me that will kind of create that blockage. So having a partner or a friend or a coworker who checks in my team at ritual we, we check in all the time i travel all over the country and i get messages from coworkers being like hey did you stretch today because we know that you just had a, a six-hour flight and you're out and you're driving around and getting in and out of the car and like are you you know i get messages are you hydrated hey have you eaten yeah. 
have you done, you know what I mean? Like just little check-ins from my team to just make sure that I'm doing the things because I'm so focused on work and, yeah. and execution that I'm not taking the minute to finish my water bottle and refill it for the third time today because I need to make sure I stay healthy throughout this whole process. So it's great to have that support system and that creates the vulnerability for me to say, no, I haven't. Have you drank water today? No, I haven't. Okay, cool. Grab some versus that shame of, well, you know, you have to hydrate. If you don't do this thing, you're not going to, you know what I mean? And that goes back to that. How do you react to someone when they give you that? If you're, you're getting the response of, no, I haven't been hydrating. You know, instead of like diving in and asking why, just support them, go get them a glass of water here. Yeah. Drink it. yeah. Oh no, totally. And, and especially like just knowing like, that you don't have all the answers and it's okay to not have all the answers. It's okay to say like, I don't know. You don't have to make meaning of everything. Um, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes that just that observation of what's going on is, is great. Um, again, it goes back to what we were talking about, about self-awareness, but I really truly think like this bigger conversation and how it relates to making sure we're fostering a culture of like wellness and like humanity in our breweries or our organizations. It's that leadership is role modeling, whether it's vulnerability or just as simple as drinking water or not over consuming alcohol, or if they are being open about it, um, you know, uh, being open, I think being open is really important because then then, you know, and knowing that like, knowing that being open doesn't make you weaker or less of a, less of this like courageous leader. It actually, it actually increases. I think it increases your bravery and strength. It's so over. It is so the, the and, and you can, you can usually tell when you're interacting with someone who has the barriers up, who doesn't want to show that nothing bothers them nothing's wrong everything's fine i'm good you're good let's just keep pushing forward you can see it and you can just see the pain in their eyes like they all they want is a big hug like they're just so or space or space yeah no and it's just not the thing anymore it is it is way more quote unquote cool to be open to be vulnerable to show yeah man this bothers me i am scared of this thing i don't like it it bothers me from a leadership standpoint, being able to express that shows strength. Like it really, it really does. And I've seen it happen over and over and over again. And I've seen the, the, especially in St. Louis, especially in St. Louis, uh, the, the brewery culture has, has really shifted to that type of discussion and openness and support, which I'm always so proud of St. Louis and, and our brewing community. Uh, and, and I think that that those types of conversations and, and that type of behaviors becoming the norm. If you come to uh, a four hands loopling carnival and, and you're walking in big and bad and some big, bad brewer, all of us are going to be like, dude, that's cool. Like you can be you, but you don't necessarily get to hang with us because we just don't engage with that type of behavior, you know? So I, I think it's really great to see that, that shift. Uh, and also going back to overconsumption, just, you know, whether that's filling the void um, for whatever that, whatever is the void, whatever is the injured pain, whatever it is, because ultimately 
um, I see a lot of breweries try to address it by not addressing it. Like, let's not have a conversation, but let's like come up with rules and policies. So like, <laughs> no more shift drinks. No more shift drinks is number one. We're gonna everyone's grounded. No more shift drinks. We're not gonna talk about why. We're just going to remove this. So we're gonna remove a treat that we were giving you that was causing a problem. We're not gonna tell you why. And then six weeks later, we're going to, all right, slowly let it back in because everybody's yeah. complaining about it. So you slowly let it back in and then it starts again and then it escalates even more. And then you have, now we have to call a meeting because something, there's been a catastrophe that has happened and everyone has to address it. And it's like, damn, if you would have just addressed the actual issue of consumption on property and even off of property as just a normalized conversation that y'all have. And also, yes, sorry. No, no, I'm sorry to interrupt. And also... If it, if for instance, if there are a couple people who it there, it's really evident they're really struggling or really taking advantage of the, you know, alcohol, like the beers after work thing or whatever, instead of calling an all team meeting and, and first, right. I'm saying all team meeting is important to talk about it, but instead of just doing the big conversation to everyone and scolding everyone or or talking to everybody um but really not addressing the the two human beings and first like have a conversation with them directly be like hey what's going on or or like hey like i'm noticing like that there's a lot there's you know having beers after work is awesome we have it's great to hang out and I'm noticing that like a, you're drinking a lot after work. And I, I just, I want to first let you know that I see it. I, where are you at? Yeah, Something uh, like that. We need to make, we need to make some adjustments here. Like let's, let's figure it out. You know what I mean? Like yeah, starting at, nothing worse. Cause I have been the person that yeah. has had the shift drinks removed because of, and I've also been the one who's had to remove shift drinks because of other people. And when it's you and you're sitting in that big group of people and then they say, hey, well, you know, what happened last night can't ever happen again. And everybody in the room is just like eyeballing you being like, you just ruined this for all of us. You alcoholic you, uh, which is you know, was the case at the time for me. And it was like that there was nothing that was fixed and nothing about that was was ever resolved and this isn't just for the the alcohol shift drink portion but like there's a lot of other factors that happen inside of your brewery or your tap room that are very similar as far as like removing a reward because someone is abusing the rule but there there's no discussion on why that rule is being abused and what can we do to work with that individual yes. person i'm building a team of of hopefully a, a number of people. And I know that each one of them individually is going to have different skill sets, different personalities, different behaviors. And I'm not going to be able to manage all of them with the same blanket processes and, and education. I'm going to have to build on their strengths. I'm going to have to work with them on where they're at in their life, in their transitions, like, and then just being conscious and aware of that. So I keep my team healthy so I can keep productivity up and we can actually get through this thing that we do all day long that we do because we need to survive in this, in this community, in this culture, you know? So like, let's make this as fun and as easy as we can. I think that brings it back to at the very beginning, like keep it a little bit more simple, keep those communication lines open and constant. And, and through that, make this a little bit easier on everybody involved, including yourself, the management, the ownership, 
the employees, the people that are coming into your bar and uh, tap room to have drinks, like that whole vibe, like you can pick up on that real quick and creating that actual community space and those real true public houses. I think it's something that all of us want to or aspire to create and enjoy. And then sometimes you just kind of lose sight of that because the stresses of doing that kind of direct you in a, in a different direction, you know? And you know what I love about this industry is I love that it's, it's centered around bringing people together, right? So yes, and this is, I, I hear this from people like, I, I don't drink, I don't drink a lot anymore. Um, uh, but I still feel extremely connected to this industry and why I'm here because I've imagined it on my own terms. And what it is for me is like, yeah, the beer might be something that like brings people in the door and for some people, not all people. And that's what people are sharing as they're talking. But for me, it's the like experience of people coming together to have great conversations. Um, sometimes with people that they might not normally like interact with, like they're sitting down, they're having, and that spirit of like, I think friendship and like great conversations and this camaraderie and this community building that doesn't need to ex that that can exist without alcohol right i think for so many of us and it can exist in a space with alcohol with options for other people not to drink but you can still have that you can still get excited about what it is to like just be with other people and enjoy their company and just like get real be human like cut the crap like you know why are, why are so many of us in this industry and not in like a corporate uh, a real corporate job is because we wanted to imagine things differently. Right. Exactly. Right. I have a office now I get to visit in Chicago and I, I, it, it's like Tom goes to work because I've, I've never worked in an office before, you know, and, and even now it's only about 10% of my overall time. I chose not to be in that office setting. I chose to remove myself because I was like, wow, that culture is terrible. It's horrible. I'm going to stick in the restaurant business and, and realized, oh, we have our own gigantic, massive set of issues over here on this side. Yeah. And that the whole playing hurt mentality that I followed for decades of, you know, work hard, play hard, yeah. you know, drink, work, drink, work, drink, work, back and forth, back and forth, just became a part of, of who I was. Yeah. And what I've realized now is, oh, I still crave a lot of those things. I still, after work, want to go out and hang out with my friends. I love staying up until two o'clock in the morning, sharing stories and laughing and giggling and doing right? all of those things. And a lot of my friends are consuming and it doesn't matter anymore. So creating these spaces of like, yeah, you want to be a brewer? Alcohol consumption is not a qualifier for you to be a brewer. Oh, you want to bartend here? That is not a, a drinking alcohol and consuming it is not only not required, but we're not going to like push that on you, but no. we're going to make sure we create a space where you can still engage and enjoy yourself. I think is is such a powerful part of a mission for uh, any business that serves yeah. alcohol. How do we relate to one another? Like that work hard, play hard. That was literally a motto at the brewery that I worked at. It was <laughs> like, no, I'm not joking. It was like, that was like when you signed on to like come and start working, it was like part of your like onboarding was like, just so you know, we work hard, we play hard. It's like, 
but there's so many different ways to play. I just like, I, that's what I think. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like play, play can be um, like literally like with your colleagues, you like go and like physically like play soccer or, or, you know, you love, com you love comedy or you love performance and you integrate that at the brewery or whatever it is. Like the play part doesn't need to be standing at the bar or sitting on your back patio after, you know, and just drinking, 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 and like putting up the music and seeing what craziness comes out of that. That doesn't need to be the only play. And we also don't need to balance this idea that we, because we're working so hard, that's how we let off steam. Those don't have to be, those don't have to be intertwined. I agree. And I, I just realized this now uh, that part of my mood shift recently, and this is a great look at me second, I'm segueing again, but uh, You're really nice, Tom, right. I realized uh, in the last couple of days that the sun is setting by like 7 PM, the sun's down. And every year I, we talked about this yesterday about night mode, about how I set my house up when it starts to get, uh, uh, dark earlier and I light my candles and I light some incense and I straighten the house and I get the night ready for that night shift. That seasonal mood stuff is so real. And yeah. every year it sneaks up on you. Like you've never experienced it before. And you're like, I don't know why I'm so crabby. Why is my team so angry? Why is everybody so agitated? Why are the guests not behaving? Like why? Well, because it's getting colder, it's getting darker earlier. Like all yeah. of that stuff is is so real and that seasonality of it is is intense going both ways too so it's i i realized that in this moment that that's probably the biggest thing that's affecting me right now and and being aware of that man is crazy like it it it, it it's a big part of of my mind shift for sure so anyway i just want to point that out that i'm going through that right now so i'm sure there's a lot of people that are going through it as well how's it in canada I'm assuming like you're getting ready to like hunker down because it's, it's, you got a couple weeks left, right? So my, I, I, so for me, it's seasonality is often based on, um, like, I, I think I mentioned yesterday, like, I know that the end of January, beginning of February is always really hard for me. And it's only recently because I allowed myself to be still and uncomfortable and kind of like be with my shit that I had this self-awareness that, um, that January is hard for me because it's, it's sort of synonymous with a lot of grief. I, I lost my dad in, in January. Um, there's just a lot of big feelings for me in that month that comes up. And even though I, you know, would like to think like I can just push through it. I, now I've integrated it. So some of that seasonality and my big feelings, I just am proactive about it being like, yeah, this is going to be a hard, this, this may or may not be, but there's a good chance that this is going to be hard. So that for that time period, I'm really, for me, I I'm really um, gentle with my calendar. I, I, block it actually block out time so that I don't have meetings or I don't do any events or public speaking. I allow more spontaneity so that if I'm having a really hard low day, I've at least given myself the grace to just be in it and not pretend that it's not real. Um, we're forced all I mean, like I, I still feel forced a lot of times to be 
you know, if the when the cashier at the gas station says, hey, how you doing today? And that I've been just giving the answer. I've honestly just at this point in my life, I'm just letting them know, like, eh, kind of shitty today. But, you know, how are I you know. Doing? <laughs> isn't it funny when you actually tell somebody how you're feeling and they don't know what to do with it because they're like, so it's so like out of character that somebody's actually honest. Like, is that where we're at in our society now where people are like, wait, what? Did you just answer that question? Did you just say look? Did you just say lethargic? I asked you how you were doing, and you said lethargic. Yeah, I'm tired. Something other than fine. Ah, what do I do? (laughs) But but that's what I'm saying. It's a practice. Like if we don't open up, if we don't have this practice of honesty and 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 this like little bit of vulnerability, then it's it's harder to practice compassion and empathy with yourself and with other people. So I'm with you. I'm that I'm that person. You know, the the somebody comes up to me and is like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, whoo, I'm feeling really low energy today. I had a hard time getting out of bed, but I'm here now and I'm, I don't know. We'll see where the day goes. Well, and there's a way to do that too without sucking the air out of the entire Totally. Room. And there is an art to that as there well. Like if you're practice. always if you're always the person when someone says, How are you doing? and you're like shitty. You know, like there, that's, that's not, I don't think, uh, what we're trying to explain. We're not looking for Eeyore. We're not, (laughs) yes. You know, like, like, or, oh, what's that SNL? Um, uh, it's like Debbie Downer. It's like, (laughs) Debbie Downer was one of my absolute favorite skits. Oh yeah. We're not advocating for that. Like, I think they're, but again, it's a practice because if, if you're, I don't know if it it is you you figure it out you do figure it out and also it's it's nice to i don't know especially if you're building a team you kind of have an idea of like the the energies and the vibe that you want from your team members and if somebody is like really really stuck in self-loathing and insecurity and they're not doing any of the work because it's really hard work of unlearning and they're just they're just stuck in it also not your job to like fix and change them as a person they might not just be the best fit for your team right now because they're not where you and your team are at and and that's okay you can still you can still be generous in your support by by letting them know instead of trying to like think that it's your job to make everything better for them well, I think that that, uh, as far as the interview process goes for onboarding new people and then building a team, like having those conversations during the interview process, yes. I don't care what your favorite color is, or obviously the person did cool stuff at their job before. It's all there in bullet points on the resume. Like you can look at that. They don't need to hear your life story from start to finish. Like once you get past all of that kind of introductory stuff and you start asking interview questions while you're onboarding someone new, asking and creating a real outline of your company culture and expectations is huge. An interview these days is not a one-way interview, interviewee type scenario. You are being shopped as much as you are shopping. And that person that's sitting in front of you is looking for what you and your company and the people that surround you have to offer them what the work-life balance is like yes. and how how do i incorporate this business into my life uh it is real big right now so i think that you know there's i used to read years ago uh maybe 20 years ago uh interview books of questions to ask interview inter- to get the best candidate 
And, uh, and I, I, I look back at those now, I'm like, God, those were absolutely terrible. I was going. Oh my God! Did you remember one of them? Uh, uh, um, the the first one, the one that sticks out the most was uh, what what was your favorite cartoon as an icebreaker question, which in and of itself is a really great question, I guess, to get the ball rolling. But like, what's the purpose of that? Right. To well, I mean, I, I did it once, and the person was like, "I didn't watch cartoons as a kid," and I'm like, "Oh my you god." Didn't I have we just opened up a door that I don't I don't know what to do now. Like what because I want to I have so many questions, but I anyway. But yeah, that but like, was one of this goes back to like actually wanting to know someone. Right. Which and I say this like with love and respect because I think some leaders think that they like there there's a bit of a performance. Like I want people to know that I'm for the people. <laughs> Right. Like I'm the type of boss leader that like cares about my people or like, you know, I do management by walking around. I walk around and when people see me and I'm saying hi, like and having conversations, people know I'm for the people. But you know, it's for the people when you just like actually legitimately want to know someone because you're curious and you care about their well-being, not because you care about the fact that your bottom line might be better if your people think you care about them. I used to, I used to brag all the time about having that open door policy that I've mentioned. And the fact that I had to brag about it meant I wasn't doing it. Mm -hmm. That's the simplest way that I can explain it. We're looking back on it. Like that, the fact that I had to let people know that I was for my people and for my employees, yeah. you don't have to do that if you're doing that because you're just doing it. They're just doing it. You know what I mean? And that's uh, that's uh, why I'm so excited to build this new team because I'm like, I've, I think almost overly critiqued my old management style that was cut from, imagine this is 1998. I'm working at an Italian joint on the hill in St. Louis, Missouri for this guy who was like, uh, I should never have had the job to begin with at the age of 16, but I learned a very rough way of service and practices and yelling and screaming and toxicity yeah. that existed. And that's what I was cut from. And so then when I got into management, I wasn't getting the response from the 20 to 25 year olds that I was looking for. Uh, and I was like, well, you was, you know, when my day I got cut for shit like that, you know what I mean? Like, and that was my badge of honor that, that I was cut on the hand with a paring knife for touching someone's cutting board. And that that's the kind of you know culture that you should be strong enough to endure. I didn't know why I wasn't getting the responses from it that I was looking for. Yeah. And come to find out, shocker, people want to be treated like humans. They want to be engaged like with humans. They want uh, criticism, but criticism with purpose, not frustration. And all of that stuff is so real. And the more we ignore it, uh, the worse the workplaces become. And those that are focusing on it, not even greatly, just acknowledging that that our our culture needs to change and everyday actions and activities create the space for productivity uh it's real talk you know what i mean like it's it's not a bunch of woo-woo stuff it's it's legit yeah and then and also like being kind in terms of this idea of like productivity like um you know I, you and i were talking about startup culture yesterday mm -hmm. and that like you know, sometimes this is used like startup is the euphemism that makes it seem like 
those behaviors in that culture of like overworking and like burnouts accepted or like, you know, tell everyone you work a hundred hours and hundred hours a week because we want people to know that this is where we're at right now. Like that's, that's just our a, benchmark. That's it. That's putting startup in front of it doesn't change the fact that that's your culture. Like it doesn't make it any prettier or better. Like that's the culture you've defined. And that's probably the culture that's going to carry forward. Um, unless you decide to prioritize and think differently about the type of culture that you want for yourself and others. And like thinking about it in terms of what do people need? What do people need to enjoy coming to work every day? What do I like? I ask, ask the question, like as somebody who's now starting up their own brewery, it's very important that I do things on our own terms paying forward the lessons learned, right? From all the repair work that's been done. But like me asking like, what do I want? What do I want? Like, what do I need from this experience of being in this brewery? Um, and then thinking about it from there. Um, Cause again, the, the cultures that we create in our organizations um, are based on, on the people and how we behave and how we treat other people. Um, it's, it's not, they can't be grounded just in, you know, getting lots of work done. And, well, and that's not a straight line either. You know, there's the, the startup culture that is, Hey, we are a brand new company. We are expanding. These are things and barriers that we'll have to get past, but we have a plan to create the culture that we are building, but we are in that building process right now, but here is our plan here. It is laid out. And, you know, if it's not going in a straight line, Sometimes there are steps backwards. Sometimes, yes. like, hey, we've got to get to this point, but there's 15 other things that have to happen for us to get there. So here are these goals. Let's set these goals as a team. Let's look at what these goals are. And if we want to accomplish this thing, like here is a here is a big group of things that we can do to continue to work towards that because this is a process and we have to continue to build. But if you just stop and say that we are startup and this is how it goes and this is what we do that that you're you're going to lose employees left right nonstop oh, 100% because the the difference is like okay the where you're at in your business is that you're you're a startup business what the culture is is as an example is everything we're doing is emerging which means it's going to feel really intense and big but we're going to check in with each other so that when things get overwhelming, we can decide the best way to delegate and move forward or reprioritize so that we can meet our goals, but maybe the timeline changes. We're gonna fuck up. When we fuck up, we commit to repair. So that means that we are going to acknowledge that this didn't work. And we're gonna, we're gonna talk about with all of you what didn't work we're not going to ask you for solutions. We just want to hear what didn't work. And then we will reflect and figure out how we move forward from there. But we're at least going to give ourselves the time and space to acknowledge what went wrong. Because so many people don't have that honest conversation of let's just talk about what went wrong and what's not working without the need to come up with a solution right after it. I mean, can we just hit the end button on the presentation and just stop right there? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? Actually, that's a good point because what did what's the thing we led with about why we wanted to have this conversation? 
was we're, we're not having the conversation about some of the challenges with, with balancing, you know, balancing lifestyle, beer, working, all these things. We're not here to tell you solutions, but we are here to inspire self-awareness and reflection. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about what's not working and just listen to each other about what's not working without the need to say, okay, now do this. Yep. The finger pointing, the finger pointing is, is kind of the root of the problem and, and saying, well, I'm having, I'm having these list of issues here. How do I solve them? There's a, a kind of a different way to look at it and saying like, Hey, this is the, what is, what does it look like? What do these conversations need to have? What uh, 15 conversations do I need to have to, to actually get to the, the solution that I'm looking for having that openness? And it, it's fun. It actually, it, the best advice I can give as a person who has managed hundreds of people throughout the course of my career is to have fun and the vulnerability actually feels really good when you do it. And as long as you are getting consent for that vulnerability, and I think that yes. that's an exclamation point on this one, trauma dumping on your employees yes. is absolutely not being vulnerable. Sharing with them all of the intricate issues that you're having is not being vulnerable creating a space where both of you can communicate with each other and have an open dialogue. That is vulnerability, not saying, Hey, this happened to me. What happened to you? Give me that. Give me the thing because I gave you something. I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think that that is very important. Uh, there's Mary Alaska. She's in the chat. Yeah, Mary. <laughs> I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm so glad you brought up consent. That's so important. Make sure you ask someone first don't say hey i need to talk to you in the boardroom sideline them by having them in the boardroom and then you want to get real with them on like what's going on i i see i see that like i see that you're struggling what's going on ah worst thing ever that's happened to me don't do that but going up to somebody and practicing consent and saying hey um i'd really love to have a chat like an honest chat about about just where you're at. Are you up for a conversation like that right now or today? If they say no, great. You can say, all right, I get that. I do want to have this conversation with you though at some point this week. When, what works for you? Yep. Cause it doesn't mean that you are being weak. Once again, you are creating the space and then following up and following through. You're still getting the end result that you were looking for. You're just going about it in a more conscious way instead of just bulldozing through, which is what I did all the time. That was me. Same. Cool. I mean, that's it. This is what, and so this is what you and I do all the time, right? Every time we're, we're together, we wind up, this is a very kind of tried and true Tom and Dana interaction. So I'm, I'm super excited that we were able to, spend the time having these conversations. I'd love to figure out a way for us to just continue having these conversations. I think the the Facebook group for craft beer professionals is so useful in finding ways to buy new stainless steel tanks and who has the best label maker out there. Uh, but I think that, that it can also start to be built as a community to where we're sharing some resources and, and things and tips and tricks yeah. and, and stuff inside the industry that can help with the overall mental health and just the overall enjoyment of something so simple and beautiful and fun as, as selling beer. Oh, your dad says it's, this is awesome too. Tom and Mary are here. He, they both get a shout Tom out. Mary. 
And, and yeah, and I will echo that by saying like, we want the conversation to continue and sometimes it's hard to start. So that's why Tom and I are, are here and why we keep having this conversation is maybe like that, that, that stepping off point that, okay, here's, here's somewhere to start. And then you can go from there and continue it. So if you know somebody who would benefit or be interested in hearing this conversation even as like a, a a jumping off point for a greater conversation you want to have with them, then please, this is going to be on Spotify. This is going to be on YouTube. Share it. Let's keep the conversation going. Let's uh, let's end the uh, the silence around some of these really important um, themes and topics. For sure. And real quick, one last shout out uh, to the Giving Kitchen. Uh, which is a James Beard award-winning organization that provides financial, physical, and mental health resources to people in the food service industry. So you have somebody who's a part of your team that has had a crisis, a fire, uh, a hurricane, uh, some sort of crisis, uh, without a doubt, reach out to Giving Kitchen. It's, there's an application you can fill out and they provide direct financial aid. Their website's great. It has a bunch of mental health resources that are free for your team members. It's a really great organization. And once again, something that's out there as a free resource that we just don't exactly know about. And so the yep. more we share stuff and these these free and available resources, I think the better community we're going to build. Nailed it. Leave studio. We're just, we're out. <laughs> See yeah. Okay. Love you, Tom. Thank Love you. you. Yep. If you like this content, please subscribe share with other craft beer professionals, and give us a five-star review. Cheers.